Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. What was that? That's the sound I make for this week. This has been a rough week. It's been a rough week. That's we why our use, show is late, and we're sorry. If we could use cursing on this show, we would be doing so. But we're not going to. It's not the worst problems in the family. world. People in the world got worse problems than this, but it doesn't seem like this when you're sleep deprived. That's right. Uh, poor Charlie has had strep throat this week. <sighs> She's been sick and trying to talk an 11 month old into drinking when their throat is sore. Not, not, not it's very tenable. Difficult. It's untenable. It's like she just doesn't understand. Hey, kid. I'm like, look, this, this Motrin is going to help. And then you got to drink water or you got your best interest at heart or something because you're going to get dehydrated. And she just looks at me like I don't speak yet and I don't understand what you're saying, mother. Right. If you want me to stack some blocks on top of each other, hit me back. I will do that on command. No problem. But don't worry. Do you worry. need me to ruin anything? <laughs> do you have anything I can tear you, up or ruin? Would you like me to poop all over dad? No problem. Because I just did that. Oh, I just did that this morning. Oh, hachi machi. He was covered. Oh, not Justin was covered. You think podcasting is all glamour, but my friends, I'm here to tell you the life of oh. podcasting doctor and her uh, lovable sidekick podcasto the clown uh, <laughs> is not all glamour it's not a glitz poor, poor podcasto he, he picked up charlie and her diaper was full of poop and then he squeezed her tight and then he was covered in poop next week on sawbones i'm dead now this is the worst so how do you bring <laughs> me back i don't know the race is on i sydney just here's all i want you to do with this i don't want you to freak me out with any weird leg worms or anything just whisk mm-hmm. me away you just want a story a just story a, time just a story just whisk me away okay. transport me I can do that. I can do that. Let's just, this isn't really about a disease or like a, a weird treatment. This is just a, how about a crazy story from the annals of medicine. The that, annals? You're going to laugh about that? It's been a long week. Okay. Something. There you go. All right. Um, that is about a, a guy named Phineas Gage. I've never heard of Phineas Gage, Sydney. That, see, and I'm glad that you say that. I think I get a work perspective sometimes in medicine because I assume that there are these stories that everybody has heard about. And mm-hmm. I think it's because I heard it in medical school. I don't know. It just seems popular enough. Although most people who've done something in like psychology or psychiatry would probably know this as well. Well, certainly say psychiatry because I said medical school, but psychology too. Okay. Maybe if you even just took some psych classes, you may have heard this story before. I'm ready. Tell me all about Mr. Phineas Gage. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you to Catherine and Talia, who both uh, recommended this topic. Thanks, y'all. Uh, this is a, a great, interesting story. So um, 
So let's imagine that, that <laughs> we are, it is 1823, mm-hmm. uh, where things sucked worse than just your kid having strep throat, to be that's, fair. That's, although kids probably fair. did also get strep throat. Well, I mean, they did. Uh, you know who didn't get strep throat? Who? Young Phineas. Phineas wow. Gage, which is a great name. That's we didn't mention that. It's a good name. Phineas was the oldest of five children of Jesse and Hannah Gage, and he lived in Grafton County, New Hampshire. And prior to the the story that we're going to tell today, he was, I guess, just a regular, healthy, young kid. Average Joe. An average, well, even maybe even an above average Joe. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He, uh, so he, his family doctor, Doc Harlow, who is going to take care of him through this whole crazy story that I'm going to tell you, um, noted, had, had taken care of him since he was a kid and noted that before all of this, this stuff we're going to talk about, he was, in his words, a perfectly healthy, strong and active young man, 25 years of age. Uh, he noted that he had a nervobilious temperament. Nervobilious. Uh... So nerve, something to do with nerves, and then Billy is like bile, something brute. That's great job, Justin. That has, I mean, that doesn't tell us anything about his temperament, but yep. you figured out where those words came from. I think mean, he's just nervy. No, it actually, this is a phrenology term, and we've never, I don't think we've done, did we do an episode on phrenology? I don't remember if we did. But I don't think we did. If we didn't, we will. But anyway, a nervobilious temperament would mean that he was, um, it's probably a good thing. It meant that he was like energetic and very active and strong. Full of vim and vigor. Yeah, vivacious. Like, yeah, like that's the kind of guy he was. He was um, five foot six, average weight. Um, and he, according to his family doc, possessed an iron will and an iron frame. His muscular system being unusually well developed. Well... Okay. He didn't even really had any have any of the typical childhood illnesses. He survived most of the stuff that unfortunately wiped out the younger people in in back in the 1820s. So this so. uh this uh, uh this doc savage of a man, this this hearty fellow. What was his uh He was, was his, a hearty fellow. I think that's fellow. fair to say. What was his what was his thing? So so as he grew up, he was not he was not very well educated. He uh by all records was illiterate and instead he decided to pursue his his strength, his natural, you know, vim and vigor as you put mm-hmm. it, uh to further himself in this world and he worked in railroad construction, working on the Hudson River Railroad and he later became a blasting foreman. That sounds like a thrilling job. I thought it sounded like a thrilling job, too. So I looked up what this was so I could understand better. I mean, I kind of like it's a, a guy who oversees like explosions. And yeah, stuff, I would, right. I would think so. So I wanted to like exactly what it entailed to be a blasting foreman, especially back in the year. We're talking about like the 1830s now mm-hmm. and 1840s. Okay? You have a special connection. This rail- railroads run in your blood. That's true. You have. You have rail steel running through your veins (laughs) that's true my dad and my grandpa worked for csx railroad which of course was chessy and seaboard systems and the x nobody knows the x nobody my dad used to tell me that when i was little that they were the c was for chessy the s was for seaboard and then the x is like the mysterious factor that combines the two i think that was the way he explained (laughs) it to me and i used to think like that's fascinating when i mean it's really just probably like railroad right probably yeah or something or or something just I X. don't know. Just I don't X. know. Just they needed another one. <laughs> Couldn't that work? CS was taken. <laughs> um, so in order to construct a railroad, uh, especially back in the 1800s, 
there's going to be stuff in your way and you're going to have to get it out of your way, right? Like sure. mountains and <laughs> rocks and things yep. that are not, that you can't like dig. So, I mean, like, I guess if it was dirt, you could just dig it out of the way. But if it's rock, you got to blow it up mm-hmm. to move it out of the way so you can build your railroad. This seems like pretty rudimentary, but go on. Okay. So in order to blow it up, what you would have done at this time was uh, bore a hole into a rock, whatever the rock that you want to get rid of, Mm -hmm. and then you would put gunpowder down into the rock hole, and you would um, lightly tamp that down, lightly, Okay. and then put a fuse in it, and then you would pour a bunch of sand, something inert over it, so that then you could really pound that down into the hole. And and then you would, I guess, light that fuse on fire and... Then run. I would run and yell something, probably. I'm assuming fire in the hole. Egads. Something. What like, get I out do? of the way. What'd I do? <laughs> run. Oh, Everybody. no. Ah, railroad ah. coming. Railroad coming. I think you should act like it's a surprise every time. And then it's <laughs> like, i just kidding you guys. Oops. I knew, I knew that was going to happen. Whoa. I'm a professional. Um, Just lighten things up. It's now, hard out there. Now, in order to 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 tamp down the gunpowder in the sand, you would use something um, called a tamping rod. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? It's a, okay. It's just a big iron rod. Okay. So this is basically what Phineas was doing. He was boring holes in rocks, pouring in the gunpowder, the fuse, the sand, and then pounding it down with a rod. And then, like I said, lighting it on fire and running. Got it. So on September 13th, 1848, he was hard at work uh, building the Rutland and Burlington Railroad in Vermont. And he was pretty well respected in his job. He had been doing it for a while. He was good at it. Um, He even at some point made his own like custom tamping rods. Mm -hmm. Just Just with like cool flame decals on the side (laughs) and like a skull on one end. (laughs) Let me pimp your rod. Pimp your rod. (laughs) Uh, So he, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He was not using one of his his custom tamping rods at the right time. he was using one of the brand x he was actually doing generic tamping one rods. now i read some accounts that this was one that was made just for him but most agreed that this was something that a blacksmith made for somebody else because it was a special kind of tamping rod mm-hmm. and it was actually tapered at one end mm-hmm. um and i i don't know he borrowed it it was lent to i don't know but anyway it wasn't it wasn't old tampy his classic tamping rod. His favorite, <laughs> his tamping, favorite rod. tamping rod. Wonder Boy, his it, tamping rod. It that was he formed from a tree branch that was hit by lightning. <laughs> no. Are you are you referencing Teen Titans? Well no, I was referencing the natural, but probably oh, okay. also by extension Teen Titans, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, he he did his usual routine. He made a hole in a rock, he filled it with gunpowder, and then the account gets a little fuzzy as to what went wrong, because something goes terribly wrong here terribly wrong one quick point i think i was actually referencing the simpsons referencing the natural because i I, cursed me i've never seen the natural but somewhere in there is something someone nodded if not laughed perhaps nodded and smirked knowingly and there's somebody out there who knows about that teen titans episode with the staff and the tree and the staff tree yeah yeah it works on so many levels it's probably the best (laughs) reference anybody who's not seen the natural has ever made about the natural i think we can all agree on that point what's the natural now Uh, moving on so anyway i don't know i haven't seen (laughs) robert redford hits a baseball so hard it breaks a light that's literally all i know about it (laughs) and i think he's got a bat named wonder boy but that might have just been what homer simpson called his bat in the natural parody of the simpsons 
how did you even know it was a parody of the natural if you've never seen the natural cultural osmosis i think i don't know like i don't know i this is one of those things you pick up from watching like academy awards recaps or something like when they have those montages about like remember all the great times that baseball bats you remember broke, all the pe- broke lights. people who had died no like not the memorial one like here's some great scenes of baseballs oh, smashing why lights we love movies yeah wh- okay. why we love movies do you and wanna, the Simpsons and the Teen Titans. Do you want me to talk about Phineas Gage some more? I would give more? you anything to talk about Phineas Gage some more. <laughs> so Phineas Gage is is hard at work tamping down this, you know, this thing, he's, this stuff in this rock he's going to blow up. Anyway, at this point, something went wrong. Either he, I think what what is now, most likely, he I, was distracted. I feel like you're about to get to the meat of this story. Are you yes. sure you don't want to stop and talk about whose tamping rod he was using for a few more minutes first? <laughs> I want to really the, visualize this. This tamping rod is important. Okay. Okay. okay got it. Chekhov's tamping the, rod. I, that's why I'm talking about the tamping rod. So it's important. And there are people who know this story who are going, yes, obviously. Anyway. Listen to another podcast. He was, he was distracted. Go listen to stuff you miss in history class. They, they cover stuff you don't know about. <laughs> this is intro level. He was distracted for a second and he looked away. And it is unclear if when he looked away, he was doing the actual tamping and he knew that there was no sand in the hole yet, and he was just trying to lightly tamp down the gunpowder, or because you would lightly tamp gun. I mean, it's gunpowder. You want to be mm-hmm. careful. Or if he had thought that the sand, because there was another guy pouring the sand in the hole, if he thought that the other guy poured the sand in the hole, and he wasn't really paying attention, so he started tamping much more vigorously. Because once the sand's in there, you can just really like just tamp away, beat the crap out of it. Anyway, one way or another, as he's tamping, he strikes the rock itself. Mm-hmm. Now. As anyone who has frantically tried to make a fire on Survivor can tell you, your goal when you're striking, you know, flint and stone and all that stuff together. Coconut fibers. Yes. It's to make a spark, right? Right. Now, your goal when you're tamping down gunpowder in a hole that you're standing over. It's the inverse. Is not to make a spark. It's not that. Now, unfortunately, when he struck the rock with his tamping iron, he did, in fact, make a spark. Bad job. Which, of course, hit the gunpowder and caused an explosion. Sure. Now, this tamping rod (laughs) that he's using, Mm -hmm. to give you a brief description, is three feet, seven inches long. Okay? Okay. It's an inch and a quarter in diameter. Got it. And it weighs about 13 and a quarter pounds. And it's tapered on the end that is... a heck of a rod. Yes. And it's tapered on the end that is next to his head next okay. to his face got that, it that he is you know vigorously pounding up and down next to his face um the explosion caused the rod to spring back up out of the hole filled with gunpowder okay uh directly through the head of poor mr gage it oh. entered just below his left cheekbone mm-hmm. passing behind his eye and up through the top of his head mm-hmm. it landed about 80 feet away covered in blood and some bits of brain well sid that's gonna do it for us on sawbones i gotta say one of our shortest episodes <laughs> and honestly one of our most puzzling not sure why that grim little anecdote was necessary the death of phineas gage no nope, what a sad nope. sad tale it was anyway we're nope. brought to you on max see you would think you would think that he died at this point mm-hmm but the story does not end here. He does not die here. He, he does not die Phineas at this time. Phineas Gage does not, not die at this time. <laughs> no. Uh, Phineas fell down. According to accounts, he fell down. He convulsed a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then after a few minutes, he, he sat- farted. Probably, <laughs> like probably, right? He probably evacuated his bowels. One would think. It's not documented. Okay. Then he sat well, back. Who up. would tell? <laughs> I would keep that secret. This is all well documented. There are okay. many accounts of this. Got it. Uh, who wouldn't have written about this? Right. You yeah. won't believe what I saw at work today. I would invent live journal right there, <laughs> just so I would have that to post on it. So then he sat back up and started talking to people. Okay. I'm assuming saying something like, ow. When's lunch? Oh, God. Get me out of here. How did this happen? Um, he's alert and awake by all accounts, talking to people normally, and they uh, pop him in an ox cart and take him back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, he encounters Dr. Edward Williams, who is the the local doctor. He's he's not at home. Remember, he's out in Vermont doing this work. Uh, and he he describes when he found Gage sitting on the porch of this hotel, <laughs> and he says that when he drove up, Gage looked at him and said, "Doctor, here is business enough for you." <laughs> he writes that uh dr williams writes that he noticed the wound as soon as he alighted from his carriage the pulsations of the brain being very distinct he said he described the top of uh gage's head as appearing somewhat like an inverted funnel <laughs> so he examines him and gage is telling him what's going what happened he's describing to him what what went wrong and what just happened yeah and he is not believing him at first there's no way there's no way that this giant iron rod just passed through this guy's head through his brain and now he's sitting here talking to me it's right. impossible and especially with as okay as he seems at first yeah. but then the doctor notes that at this point after he's told him some of his story uh phineas decides to stand up And at this point, Mr. G got up and vomited. This is the doctor's words. The effort of vomiting pressed about half a teacup full of the brain, which fell upon the floor. And then he passed out. I just hope it wasn't the part that he had his ATM pin on. Because, man, that is such a pain in the patoot to get that reset. That would just that would be really unfortunate. I really appreciate that the measurement we're using, the standard of measurement for the brain at this point, the amount of brain is half a teacup full well it fell into a teacup that's the only reason that they <laughs> ew gross i think this says a lot about dr williams he seems like a very proper gentleman it's about half a teacup full uh now at this point um dr harlow is going to get involved and dr harlow when he arrived i just love his description of this situation this is a very typical doctor uh description of mm-hmm. this he described it all as truly terrific Sid, i have three questions for you what Huh? And what? Justin, I would love to answer. <laughs> I would love to answer all three of these questions right after we visit the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. 
Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sydney, I have been obsessed during that commercial break. I've been trying to focus with all of my, uh, 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 all of Podcasto's energy went into those advertisements, but back in the back of my head, way, 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 way deep where I keep all of my, uh, knowledge about EverQuest from college, which by the way, should I, this ever happened to me? I hope that's the part of my brain that gets squished out. I don't need to remember that stuff. I don't need to remember where to get the Testament veneer, all that crap. Get that squeezed out. Now what's EverQuest? Uh, so what, what's the deal? Har- okay. Dr. Harlow. So, that's where we left things. So this is not a sad story. Like I, like I promised you, this is where, this well, is our happy I, well, fairy tale story. Well, it's all perspective, isn't it, Sid? Uh-huh. I mean, old Phineas has probably had better days. I mean, it did, it wasn't his last day, which it is was pretty not. sweet. It was not in fact his last day. Uh, so at this point, like I said, he, he has this big hole in his face and head where a, an iron rod passed through. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Williams is there. Dr. Harlow arrives to assist. And I guess Dr. Harlow had even had a little bit of, of surgical training. Dr. Williams hadn't really. For a second, um, I thought you were about to say a little bit of rum to drink or a little <laughs> bit. He'd been drinking a little bit that day, which made all this so much more frightening. I'm certain when he was done with his, with, with the procedures that are about to ensue, he yeah. had a little, a little bit of rum or something. Yeah. At the end of his day. Take the edge off. I think, I think he earned it. So Williams and Harlow, who are really just making all this up as they go, because mm-hmm. this is, I mean, as you can imagine, this is kind of untread ground. Sure. This is not familiar territory. Um, they decide to, they're going to clean up this wound. So they shave his head 
They remove all the stuff that's kind of in the way, the debris, the blood clots and bone bits. And they note that they take about an ounce or so of brain out. I don't mm-hmm. know how much that is in a teacup measurement. But <laughs> about an ounce. Not a standard measurement. Um, and then they start kind of bandaging the whole thing up loosely, mm-hmm. um, covering it. Uh, they go ahead and, and bandage up the wound uh, on his face, on his cheek. Uh, same thing, leaving it loose so it can drain. They know to do that. Um, and then he also had some burns on his arms, and so they, they kind of take care of that, too. He seemed okay at that point. He's still talking to them. Hmm. He still seems like himself. He noted that he didn't really want to see his friends at this point. He didn't want anybody to come visit him because he'd probably be, be back at work in a few days anyway, and he would just talk to him then. Mm-hmm. That was his plan at this point. Hmm. Now, of course, that didn't happen. Sure. Things didn't go that smoothly. Uh Phineas had a long and, and difficult recovery. These were in the days before we really understood infection and Ugh, antiseptic yeah. techniques. Yeah, I was afraid of this. Uh, and he's got a big giant hole in his face and his head. And so he develops infections, uh, a fungal infection at Ooh. one point. Um, at... Uh, he begins to have granulation tissue, which is like healing tissue that, that starts to form, kind of sticking out of the head wound. Like and scar tissue? Scar sort, tissue. Of, sort of the healing stuff before scar tissue. Okay. And so it, it's kind of a good thing, but it's kind of sticking out of the head wound. So like uh, periodically, like Dr. Harlow is like cutting stuff out of his head wound. Um, at one point, his eyeball was kind of poking out of his face a little bit. But Harlow actually seems to be pretty good with keeping up with all this stuff. All things considered. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the fact that the time period and like Harlow probably didn't have any training in this kind of thing and how many patients had even had this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this this doc seems to be on top of things. He keeps everything open and draining. At one point, he has to kind of cut open his face and drain a big abscess, Ugh. like in like over his forehead and eye area. Um, he keeps trimming back like excess tissue and all this. And overall, he does a pretty good job of keeping Gage alive. Um, and over time, now first things get really bad, right? Sure. So he's doing okay. And then he kind of is in a semi-comatose state for a while. It's real touch and go. His family actually even had him measured for a coffin and picked out clothes and stuff for his funeral, thinking that, I mean, that he probably wasn't going to make it. Right. Um, But he starts doing better. Doc Harlow pulls him through. And by November, he's finally able to go back home. Um, And he's even up working around the farm. Oh. Now, his mom notes that he can only work about a half day. So, I mean... He's yeah. still pretty lazy. Yeah, come right? on, man. Uh, but but he's actually doing pretty good. Um, and he's returned to somewhat of like a, a functional state and he feels okay. And and it's kind of a success story. Uh, and word of this starts to spread. Sure. Right? Because yeah. this guy had this big iron bar passed through his head and he's still alive. So uh, at this point, um, other people in the medical world begin to take notice. And he's invited to Harvard so that he can meet before one of the Boston Medical Societies and um, he can meet the doctors and they can, one, confirm that this really happened. Because a lot of people were like, there's no way this is true. Right. There, there's no way this is possible. Um, but all the docs want to look at him and look at his head and talk to him and see, like, did this really happen? And a lot of people, you know, end up believing him. Um, he, at one point, was presented in, in Barnum's American Museum, not the circus, which is... So it's very dignified. It was very dignified. He stood there. Um, holding his tamping iron. This tamping iron, by the way, is with him all of his life. Yeah. He, I mean, 
who wouldn't want that souvenir? He's halfway to like a crime fighter at this point. I mean, like, seriously, this is an origin story. He gets it and he takes it with him. And so he, he appears in the in Barnum's American Museum holding this tamping iron. Um, and he's even paid various places for some like public appearance appearances. Um, you know, kind of like, look at this guy who had a hole in his head and here's his tamping iron. And can, can you believe, you believe this it? Wild medical thing that happened. Um, but after people kind of lose interest in seeing that kind of thing, he decides, you know what, this really isn't where I want to, um, I'm not into this as a way to make my living. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be this like kind of medical oddity show. Sure. Uh, and so instead he moves down to Chile. Okay. Uh, and gets a job as a stagecoach driver. All right. And so he works there. Okay. That's fine. Great. Yeah. Continues for 12 years. Whoa. Doing fine. Now, 12 years later, things are not going so well. Um, for whatever reason, he begins to have some seizures at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, they prevent him from performing his job. After a while, he has to return. Actually, his family lives out in San Francisco at this point, so he moves out that way to be with family. Um, he continues to have seizures. Um, I think even Dr. Harlow came and visited him again, and, and nobody could really help him at this point. And all in all, though, that's a pretty good run. You yeah, know, that's and he, a pretty darn good run. He, he did pretty well until then. So, so he died in, in May of that year. Um, but he lived 12 years after a an iron rod passed through his face and head. Now, what I want to know is like, how, okay, so we know he lived, but like, what, what sort of effect did did it have on him? That's see, that is the the life after death that Phineas Gage has had. So, um, if you have heard about him. You have either, unless you're just interested in reading about this kind of stuff, have have heard about him in medical school, or perhaps you took some psych course at some point. Even introductory psych texts, two-thirds of them, two-thirds of introductory psych psychology books mm -hmm. tell this story. So you may have heard about this before. And that is because Phineas Gage uh, frames a lot of what we think we know about the frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. So at least part of one of gage's frontal lobes was blown away by this by this explosion in the tamping iron uh, maybe part of his other temporal lobe i'm not really sure um and there were reports initially and this is what i was taught actually uh, when i first heard this story uh, there were reports about his behavior after he recovered uh that he was completely different that before he was a nice normal healthy guy you know polite friendly hardworking. And that after he, he recovered from the incident and went back out into the world, the reason that he couldn't go back to his initial job is because of how inappropriate he was, how vulgar, how uh, how much profanity he used. He was violent. He was um, inappropriately sexual and just overall a big jerk. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people use this as evidence for the fact that the frontal lobe is, and, and we say this a lot, it's where the who of you exists. Mm -hmm. It's where what makes you you is, your personality. Um, not so much the what. It doesn't make you breathe and stuff, but it makes you, you know. Sure. makes Justin Justin. Gotcha. I'm sorry, podcasto, podcasto. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and that if you, if you damage the frontal lobe, that you're going to drastically change someone's personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were some some people who wrote that about Gage that later after it was all said and done, he was he was really, you know, a jerk. Um, but that wasn't consistent. Uh, as I read into this, actually, 
there were still just as many people who say he really hadn't changed that much hmm. after the injury. Um, and I had to I had to read about what goes into becoming a stagecoach driver mm-hmm. because this is the main or argument. That's why I mentioned that. This is the main argument against him being um, really uh, unable to function after the incident. In order to be a stagecoach driver, you have to be extremely hardworking and organized and driven. You have to work like 13-hour days um, doing an incredibly difficult, like physically and mentally demanding task, you know, guiding the horses and and navigating. Um, he was also in a different country and uh, there are no accounts that he spoke the language when he went there. Yeah. Uh, and so he was able to kind of, you know, navigate that as well. So it seems unlikely that he was, you know, a disaster, violent and yelling at people and, and cussing at everybody and that yeah. kind of thing, because how would he have functioned? Um, so this may all be apocryphal. It may not be true, but this sparked conversations for for decades since um, phrenologists used it as evidence for their craft phrenology that it destroyed his organs of benevolence and veneration. And so that's why he was such a jerk afterwards. They also said that it destroyed his organ of comparison. And so they said that afterwards he couldn't tell you like he'd he'd give you like a thousand dollars for something that would cost five cents. Yeah. I don't know. Some kind of Rain Man reference, I guess. Uh, Psychologists have used this to explain that the, you know, the frontal lobes are where the personality sits. And so if you just destroy the frontal lobe, you know, then somebody's changes drastically uh surgeons kind of saw this as like a challenge kind of a call to arms yes like look we can remove part of the brain and you can still be alive so there's all kinds of brain procedures that we can try now huh. so this uh, this probably uh sparked a lot of more a lot more interest in brain surgery because we didn't even know if you could do this to the brain and people survive um but all in all a lot of what we know or what we have thought we knew about the frontal cortex throughout you know the last hundred um you know, hundred and almost two hundred years, is related to this is related to this case. Wow, which is really interesting, and it, and it may be wrong. Although today we we do note that people who have frontal lobe injuries um, can change can be changed. They can have uh, impulse control problems mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But um, but it's been very interesting because this one man, this unfortunate circumstance that he manages to survive, has has shaped a lot of what we think we know about psychology and neurology and neuroscience. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Sawbones. We hope you've uh, enjoyed it. Thank you, Sydney, for helping to distract me from how little uh, we've slept this week. I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. Uh, we're a part of the Maximum Fun Network, which is a podcast network you can find at MaximumFun.org. There's a ton of great shows there. If uh, possible, I'd like to promote uh, uh, one of my own programs this week. Uh, my Brother, My Brother meets an advice show that we do. Uh, we did an all uh, a sponsored episode uh, that was completely sponsored by Totino's Makers of Pizza Rolls. It is a 45-minute show all about pizza rolls, which doesn't sound good. Now, do you also cover the crisp and tasty pizza and the party pizza? That's a Geno's product, J-E-N-O-S, which is also part of the Totino's family, so you know we right. do dip in there. Okay, Absolutely. Good. Those are my favorite. Uh, you can find that at mbmbam.com or on iTunes, where you can find all the Maximum Fun shows. Uh, thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines for the intro and outro of our program. Thank you uh, to those of you who are already signed up to come see us when we go to the Pacific Northwest at the end of August. Uh, if you live in Seattle or uh, uh, Vancouver or you can get there, go to uh, bit.ly forward slash mbmbam Seattle or bit.ly forward slash van mbmbam and uh, you can uh, you can 
come see us live with my brother, my brother, and me. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, come check us out. Also, I forgot to mention, if you want to see Phineas Gage's skull and yeah. camping iron, you can go to Harvard Medical School's Warren Anatomical Museum. Well, I'm booking tickets, uh, and in the meantime, uh, until next Wednesday, hopefully with any luck, our baby stays healthy. <laughs> I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.